Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. We had a here in August. I know, almost the last show. It's crazy, man. 2016 is just going by in a flash. Yeah. It'll be over before you know it. I know when you're a kid, like Christmas takes forever yeah. to get here. Or your birthday takes forever, or the end of school takes forever. Not anymore. No. Yeah. You want to know my theory on it? What? I think it's because, you know, like your your rent or your mortgage, whatever, those big bills are due on the first. Yeah. So that pup just comes flying fast. It just gets here quicker and quicker because you got to have the money ready. Yeah. By you the know? way, Mike, too, is uh, vacant right now. Yeah. Oh, somebody just walked up to the door. Just sauntering in. Yeah, just Just coming through the hallway right now. What's the Uh, rush? No big deal. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? A few extra traffic lights this morning. There's something there, Dan. We, uh, well. You know, I'm just outside trying to load up my truck with some supplies for later today. (laughs) Uh Wait, Just working hard, multitasking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. (laughs) It's 9 o'clock. Gotta go. Having so much fun doing the manual labor part of the Uh day. Uh My daughter said, (laughs) I said, we got to be there right at nine. And my daughter said, "Um, wait, doesn't the show start when you get there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes said, there's show business called the show must go on. I whenever. said, baby, it's it's live radio. It's yeah. not just when I start talking. Yeah, it was like <laughs> that opener fires and boy. A lot of dead air if you're not there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Speaking of fires, mm-hmm. this entire state burning down. Oh right my gosh. You know, you know, there's gotta be something going on. There's there's gotta be something. I mean, there's too many fires. Yeah. Something. Too many fires. freaking me out. These are too many fires. Yeah. And uh so last night was the Atascadero yeah. Cruise Night. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's a big deal in Atascadero. Have you guys been to Atascadero Cruise Night in Garjo? I have not. It's yeah. a big deal. They yeah. line the streets full of chairs and shut down El Camino Real mm. between like Kerberil and, oh, yeah. oh, probably traffic. I'm mm-hmm. guessing they turn around up there. Anyway, yeah. there's a band on every other block playing good old Americana music right out there on the road. Mm -hmm. And then of course all the loud and quiet and flashy and modest and custom and stock and everything in between cars go cruising by. And last night we stood out there and watched the car show in an, in an ash. Oh, I know. Isn't that crazy? Raining ash. I know. On us. I know. Be talking to somebody. It's like, oh, you got a big piece of ash on your mustache. <laughs> you don't want to get that off there. It looks funny. Well, I just like, you know, the one up by Nascimento, I'm just so, how fast that thing is blown up. It's like over we were, 12. I was Seriously. on the lake when it started. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw just a little tiny smoke. My mom said, oh, it looks like there's a fire. Um, and I thought, oh, no, that's not good. Get out of here. Yeah. We, yeah. we got out. <laughs> yeah. Hung out for a little while, and then there was big, like, oak leaf-sized pieces of ash blown mm. over the top of the boat, and I was like, ah, I don't want... And then I have family driving by the one on the pass, the San Marcos. Yeah. 
the other day, and it, they said that it was just like blew up Scary. right away too. Yeah, well, there's something going on. There's just something going on. Hoping everybody stays safe. Yeah. By the way, it hasn't exactly been my morning either, Dan. I put salt in the coffee in the green room. Eey. Yeah. Great. <laughs> what the heck was that? <laughs> just grab something white and. Started. Oh down man. Two tablespoons oh, of salt. Oh yeah. Just do time it. went uh, over, went overboard. Yeah. That must have been a pretty terrible that flavor. Yeah. Bad. That's yeah. a bad way to wake up. No. That's it, though? Yeah. Just the great, you know, I thought you, you had know. a laundry list of things. Yeah, well, we had the, the phones. I think we got the phone problem figured out. I think the bat phone died. Uh-oh. So uh, I'm going to have to run over into the screener how room. How does it die? It doesn't take power? It doesn't... All it requires is a good old-fashioned phone line. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the, the speaker is not working. <clears throat> Those things last forever. I know. They don't die. Know. That one's... So, guys, we're talking about. So I'll just this have to run next door. Old school phone, you know, the kind that's basically like a small rectangle. Yeah, it's tethered with a hand to the receiver. Wall. Seriously, yeah. if the you coiled cord, it's got buttons, raised buttons on it with numbers. If you Google TV show Bat Phone, yeah, or the Batman TV show Bat Phone, it will show a red phone that it looks exactly like the phone we have here in the studio, except for ours is baby blue. <laughs> it's fascinating yeah. well 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 we're here at another it's another mortgage matters we got more of the the same recipe here to go over it's just going to be dan and and myself just, here today that sounds like the dream team <laughs> yeah missed you last week yeah got a weekend off good for you i did all right. Went up north into the Tahoe area to get a little R and R, breathe some fresh air, recharge those batteries. Yep. Did try some to get fishing. the get the patience level back down below the the threshold <laughs> yeah. that. Unfortunately, I didn't get off the grid like I normally try to do, so I still was connected. And you know, when you have the the connection, it's kind of hard to. Stay away. It's right there. It's yeah. one of the problems today. And, uh, you know, you just can't get fully unhooked from life, I don't think. Maybe well, if you had, like, some kind of a real cush job that was, like, a true 9 to 5 where when you walked out the door, there's nothing you could do anyway. But in our line of service, there's always really something you can do. If yeah. they can get a hold of you, somebody's got a question or a concern or a change or something they want to make you aware of and you're accessible. And well, and I'm worrying about all the work that's piling up as I'm not there. So uh, it's like, oh, well, if I can just maintain it, it won't be that bad when I get back. And, and Jason will have it all taken care of for you. Yeah. yeah. And do you also? <laughs> no, we, we I know what his workload is. We have pretty separate <laughs> workloads and there, sadly, there isn't even a lot of help I could give. I mean... When it was like on one of the days it was time for payroll and I'm like, you know, I, I don't have the knowledge, the software, those actual checks that they print on them. I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to wait until Dan can do this later. I, they're simply jobs I'm incapable of doing. And yeah, we, we run that way. That's just how it goes. It's a, it's a lot. You wear a lot of hats when you're self-employed. Yeah. You know, you're the, and my favorite one, like when I'm at my kind of nearing wit's end and I'm trying to get something done and then the computer tells me, contact your administrator. <laughs> I'm the administrator. Oh, <laughs> I've no one to contact. I Googled the freaking answers several times. I don't know who to contact. I don't know what to do. 
<laughs> I am that. I'm all of that. We wear all of the hats. Sometimes we have to share a hat. That's fun. But it's good. It's good to be busy. Good to be needed. Did you have any vacation guilt or shame? Mm, no. No, I earned this vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's my one vacation a year other than like Christmas. I read some articles <laughs> that vacation shaming is a real big thing. You know, there's a lot of people that just stockpile vacation days. Like if you just were talking so retire like six months. Yeah, early. like you were talking about like when your mother retired <laughs> that she had like hundreds or thousands of hours months or something. Yeah, it was of... crazy. She got to leave work six months before she officially retired. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, it's good for her. For I her, feel like I she guess. didn't take enough time off. Well, she got six months of it all at once. <laughs> all time. at once, though. You want to use it all at once? <laughs> but there's a. I think there's. Um, I was reading this article recently that suggested that that's kind of the norm lately. Is that uh, whatever job you have today. You, everybody sort of has this guilt that I can't take the time to go and I can't, it's, it's not responsible for me. Things will pile up. Things will go undone. There'll be mistakes made or just the idea that when you come back, now you have everything you needed to do while you're gone to now try to fit into your, you know, normal schedule again. And so people just tend to shy away from taking the time. See, okay. I got some thoughts here. People need to get away from work. It's a necessity to get away from work to just, you just need to get away from it. It's stressful. There's needs, there's things. You just got to get away and it sort and, of helps reset. Yeah. yeah, it's healthy. It's like a restart on your to. computer. And I think that if people are that stressed out that there, or there's just not the support behind them, that that's irresponsible of the owners to not make sure that they're staffed appropriately so people can take vacations. Right. We actually mm. just went through this. We had a round of growth and a round of hiring, and we were trying to decide where to cut off the hiring, and we discussed that, mm -hmm. hey, it's important that we have depth so that when people take vacations, because that's important and we encourage it, mm -hmm. yeah. that they that there's support behind them, and they yeah. don't have to go away and worry for or a week or two. Or a sick two. day, or a personal day, or a yeah. paternity leave, or whatever it is. There's all these things, and you got to be able to cover it. We, uh, I, you know, we're so different as a society than so many other countries with mm -hmm. the importance that we put on work and the priority that work holds in our lives. There's so many other places in the world where, where you take uh, a siesta in the yeah, middle of the day. Totally. I mean, yeah. Have you, you just relax? You, you got to go boy. see other parts of the world. You got to go experience yeah. things outside. When I of was, work. um, it's healthy mm -hmm. at one of the first underwriting jobs I had, we had some business in Hawaii you know how yeah. hard it is to get transactions done in Hawaii? I'm telling you, anytime you want to take the show on the road to Surf's Hawaii. Up, man. It's well, a, and it's a I'm couple, up, it's three it. hours later, right? So right now in Hawaii, you're talking, it's like just afternoon. No, later. They're, late, they're Right? Earlier. It's earlier. All right, so I'm thinking. It's, it's I'm thinking about calling then. back. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Six a.m. So, so people like, aren't even up. Yeah, and so then you're mm. basically you're trying to figure out how to start calling people in your afternoon where it's their morning, and they're just basically like, "Oh, hey, yeah,", <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "It's the tail end of my day, so I need you to be getting some things done." And they're just like, "Yeah, totally. We're gonna get right on that." You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did it's that. coming. Just I did relax. that from I did that from England one time. I was in England, 
And of course they're earlier, you know, they're before us, you know? So I'd be like, oh, I made it. Okay. Thanks Jim for letting us know, but you know, try not to do it at midnight next time. <laughs> yeah, it was like, you know, um, so that was kind of, that yeah. was kind of crazy. Just to forget about that. You know, here it is eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. I was cold to call. Uh-uh. No, it's like, you know, 12 hours before in California. You can see how it makes an uh-huh. interesting thing for businesses to be able to like use mm-hmm. customer service from India where mm-hmm. they're doing things while you're asleep, you know, that sure, way you yeah. could wake up to that. The title companies went through that recently and um, they started outsourcing like title reports and some of the searching of the um database searches yeah where you have to go through like a chain right where you gotta you gotta understand where title was transferred to whom by whom by which deed and um to make sure that it's very consistent that there's never a break because once there's like what's called a cloud on title it creates this issue where then the the next transaction or subsequent transactions are um sort of built upon a false premise if it was wrongly conveyed at some point before so anyway we saw that go through the title company where it was like well take advantage of of the this customer support happening abroad where it can be working while we're asleep and it it's been kind of a problem i think with the um with the quality of work it's timely yeah you but get- then it still shows up pretty like i think rushed and unthorough hmm. you know but yeah, interesting thing. It's just all part of that shrinking globe thing, you know, the way that what uh, we were talking about this, what recently with the Declaration of Independence and how long it took to cross and yeah. get in the right hands. Yeah. Today, that you just got to tweet it. You got to, Declaration of Independence today would have been shorter, 140 characters or something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it would have been abbreviated somehow, too. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. yeah. These and, then like, and then, like, a hashtag, we're out. <laughs> By the way, um, I, we haven't mentioned yet, we can get a Facebook now. Yeah, nine news talk nine twenty KVEC. No also way. Twitter at nine twenty KVEC and Instagram at nine twenty. Are you monitoring those? I am not monitoring right now, but the that it is on it. So oh, okay. yeah, and then of course we're at nine twenty KVEC.com for the web. Which oh, that's you know, the new site. Yeah, did you know is that, that the same site that it was before? No, it's it's the same. Okay, just I think revamped. Okay. Did you know that Central Coast Lending maintains a Mortgage Matters radio webpage? We do. Wow. You probably well, didn't even know that, did you? We don't uh, talk. I know that because I've I send the shows and um I've seen it actually. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen it since you guys revamped it recently, didn't you? We've uh, gone through a couple yeah. um changes to the website. Uh-huh. I send the shows to Anthony and then he kind of deals with it. Yeah. You know, so Yeah, our main website, I mean we've We've basically been trying to fix it up a couple times. It's really common in our agency that people just use a, a canned page. So it's just very basic. No, yours is definitely of, is not. It's full of all the same information. And if you go from lender to lender, you start to see the, the similarities between the websites. And so it was our desire to have one that was basically just fully custom. Well, you know. I think you actually try to incorporate local happenings going on yeah. sometimes and things like that, right? Yeah. 
and we've got you know we've got all the the different tabs on it where you know first of all there's a an application feature where people can fill out an application if they're wanting to get pre-approved for a loan or or just full on you know and need to get approved today because they're already in escrow on something that's not the way we like you to do it but people do that so yeah we've got the application on there then of course there's the company info um where talk about the locations and the loan officers and some testimonials some real estate information loan center we've got all of the programs and calculators frequently asked questions about the loan process some nice nuggets of information in there um, we got rates and then we got a market blog and of course the mortgage matters radio page where you can go listen to past episodes if you missed one uh, we're yeah. pretty we're pretty proud of the website we put a lot of effort into it trying to make it a real resource for people how long how far back do you go on the radio shows do you know Offhand? Um, well, we moved over to SoundCloud because... Yeah, we stored all on SoundCloud, and I think we have... All of them. I mean, ever since... We started keeping the... Yeah, I don't think we have them since we started the no, show. No, but, but probably three or four SoundCloud. years. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Before we, we... I forget where how we were doing it before, but we ran out of space because yeah. those files are pretty big. And, yeah. But SoundCloud's pretty awesome. They're, yeah. um, it's a great service to be able to to host those and it doesn't have the same limitations. Hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty neat though. If you guys are interested in learning a little bit, go over to the website. I had a funny story yesterday. Somebody called for an Uber oh, wow. to our office. Um, no, just a ride. Uh, okay. An escrow agent actually called for an Uber. And upon driving the Uber, said, oh, what do you do? And she said, oh, I do escrow. And he said, oh, I just got a loan. And they said, oh, N you know, basic conversation was like, kind of like, how is that different than what you do? And and she said, well, I do the, the escrow side of it, like all the number crunching and the payoff and sort of settlement of the funds. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I, I had that, but it was all pretty smooth. And so she said, well, who was your lender? And he said, Central Coast Lending. And she said, oh, no way. I know them. I know them well. How did you, how did it come about? And he said, oh, they've got this great commercial with this fantastic jingle that just says, <laughs> just call 543 loan. And so when it was time for me to do that, I called 543 loan. Nice. And so this guy ended up working with Bob. Cool. And said that Bob was like phenomenal to work with, which we know that Bob's kind of on his second career for us. He was, this is Bob Moss. I mean, some of the people that are listening know this guy. He worked for the county of slow for like a lifetime and then basically went into retirement, but he's too busy and social and, and I think intelligent, you know, to just sit at home. He didn't want to go down that path. And so he got a license and learned the business um, sometime in this, I think it was this calendar year, he hit his hundredth escrow closed here locally. Um, and that, and by the way, that's pretty good. I mean, he's been in the business for like three or four years. What, four years now? I Maybe don't even five. Know if that long. Yeah, somewhere in there, three, four years, I think. Um, anyway, <laughs> had just been. It's an awesome second career. I tried to ask him the other day too. I said, "Hey, do you now wish that you had done this like long before?" He said, no, I had a lot of fun doing what I did. 
So, but that's kind of cool. So, yeah, we got some more positive feedback about Bob doing a great job. And my big takeaway was usually people want to strangle us for that um, jingle. No, it's an effective. It's an effective ad, but when you get that thing stuck in your head. Yeah. Well, even though we're in the new building, some people walk down the hall singing your jingle. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's a good jingle. It's out like, in the green room or out in the lobby. Probably yeah, one of the best thousand bucks we ever spent. <laughs> you know, we've uh-huh. John turned us on to some company that said they could do some jingles. And we were kind of like, well, I don't know how you're going to jingle this, but here's what we do. And it came out pretty great. I mean, we tweaked it a little bit and reworked it a little bit, but that's a fun jingle. People certainly remember the phone number. Oh, yeah. You can't, if you listen long. to KVEC, you can't not know that. Oh, phone gosh, you can't. Well, I'm just, I, like I've said, people out in the out in the hallway, the green room, lobby, I, I've heard it sung here in the building. Yeah. yeah. Just call 543 loan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though we're in the new building. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't That's, take long to get no, in No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but it takes a long time to try to get it out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Last week when we were here on the show, I was kind of sharing it's like a that Disney thing. Interest <laughs> interest rates are still in some pretty darn good ground, um, and I I know I mentioned this last week, but we update the website every Tuesday with updated interest rates for, um, and so sometimes they're off by a couple of days. Most people, especially our listeners, you guys know that interest rates change every day. At least they can. And then at times, if there's some volatility in the market, they may change two or three times a day. Um, So those rates, when we publish them like this, we just don't have the manpower to put them up every single day and update them every day. So we always encourage you to call if you are interested in a rate quote, but there's a spot on the website here where you can go and, and look at interest rates this week. Uh, we're kind of touching back to some pretty sweet spots though. The conventional 30 year fixed rate loan is 3.375. That's a 3.414 APR. So those are going to be loans that are up to $417,000 here in our County. Um, that's a, that's an incredibly low interest rate. Um, and I just always like to remind people too, that, that, that interest rates available, obviously there's a little bit of a difference between the interest rate and APR that, that reflects some fees that are a part of that transaction. Um, this week I, I met with a few different clients where we looked at doing interest rates that were slightly higher than that to make it a no fee transaction. You know, those are sometimes people call them no cost. I really shy away from saying no cost because the cost is, additional interest monthly so you're not saving as much as you would have but you're also not shelling out closing costs up front or giving away equity up front it's kind of a nice nice pairing for somebody that knows they're going to get a new loan in in a few years so um, anyways i always like to remind you guys interest rates are super low and then there's ways that we can work out um, lowering the cost or even giving you some counsel about how to buy an interest rate down. If you want to check that out, go to Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. That came out funny like I was like some kind of Boris, Boris Gump. <laughs> yeah. Boris. <laughs> Mama said these rates was real low. 
They are. <laughs> run, Forrest, run. My, my son, Tucker, thinks he does a really good Forrest Gump impersonation, and it's terrible. I love but Forrest Gump. But he's convinced Gump. it's great. I mean, I want to hear it from inside his head because he's sold that it's awesome. Shrimp gumbo, cocktails, <laughs> deep fry, stir fry. All right, we're going to go ahead and do a commercial break. And uh, when we get back, we'll have some news stories. we got some housing talk. There's a few different metrics to go over with you guys. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Jim, it feels too soon for that. I don't know. The Ohio players? Fire? We're talking about the fires at the beginning. I know, but that sounds a little celebratory or something. Yeah, I know. Well. (laughs) I was talking about. Good effort. Good effort. Yeah, I'm trying. I was talking (laughs) to my little brother yesterday. Uh, You know, my brother. Is he working any of them? Well, no, not, not really because he's. Those guys, so my brothers all did paramedic school too, which is kind of like the doctorate of the fire services kind of life. And so then once you get hired as the medic, you're a little bit... Um, they don't have you do the front lines kind of thing? They would and they will, but it's really important that there's always medic in the station. And mm-hmm. so he went to work, 
He told me he went to work two weeks ago with the expectation of going to work for three days. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't got to leave yet. Wow. So he's on like his 12th day in a row of 24-hour shifts. And um, there, it's mm -hmm. crazy. Because a lot of the guys that you know, would have been the relief guys or the breaker guys. Those are the guys that are, you know, assigned out to go yeah. to these different fires. And and it's brutal. I mean, they're, um, gosh, you know how hot it was. I mean, just this week we were looking at 100-degree days. So imagine being up there with a shovel next yeah. to the flames in that full gear and breathing through the straw, you know? Yeah. Pretty crazy. Well, Not, my other choice were, was the doors, light my fire, and I really don't think we need to start another one. No. <laughs> What's the one about the roof on fire? Uh, I'll figure the it out. Roof. The, the roof. roof. The roof is on. Burning down the house, I believe. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like, what, talking heads? Uh, yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Well, heck. Um, let's see here. Let me open up my notes. See what we have of real substance this morning. We got some metrics about um, July housing starts and building permits. What do you think about that? Yeah, let's do it. Plus 2.1% on starts. Permits minus 0.1%. Um, permits basically flat. The permits number is easy to be skewed because if there's a big project... I mean, somebody pulls a thousand permits for a tract or right. a, a big apartment complex or something like this. Now you got that on the books for last month. You don't have it this month. So you'll see permits kind of change a little bit like that. Uh, but great to see that housing starts being up 2% month over month. Starts we, can kind of be the same way though, right? Starts can be similar, but they're, I think that they're um, a little bit less volatile. Um, be, and the other thing too, is that well, we look, permits are like the indicator, right? That's like that's your the leading indicator. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's out there. Is it six months or 18 months or 36 months away from like groundbreaking, um, or, you know, versus starts is like, this is what we broke ground on this month. So, um, but that's good. Both of those are looking pretty good. Um, Consumer price index and core consumer price index unchanged as expected. Inflation's boring, man. Where where is inflation? And when is inflation coming? We're supposed to be really worried about this. We're supposed to be getting clobbered sometime soon here. But Man, that you know, we see that the numbers just—it's not there. I mean, it, it's basically unchanged. We're inching towards getting closer to that two percent target inflation rate, but we're just not there yet. Um, and so, hey, we've been worrying about it for about a decade now. Um, you got plenty more time to worry. Not time for those to go up quite yet. Last Friday, so not not yesterday, but more than a week ago, um, one of the market moving things that came out is that um, producer price index and retail sales both came out well below expectations. They were pretty bad. And in terms of, I mean, not really a um, 
producer price index, I think, is a little bit of a forward indicator. If it's getting more expensive this month for a producer to produce, then that's where you know, well, that's coming to the consumer, right? Because most of that flows straight through. Um, so those numbers not moving in that direction. Retail sales also not very good. Um, and so that that I think that hung over the market again this week. I mean, we basically kind of just hung out. Um, the bond market I saw go choppy, choppy. You know, it's been in that one five one to one five eight range. We closed out yesterday. The ten year bond yield closed at one five eight. So it's been the that's probably the top end of that range over the last couple weeks here. Um, but altogether, it's just leaving interest rates are in a real good spot. I mean, I know I shared it before the break, but we're still seeing these great rates in the threes, depending on what you're doing. 15 years in the twos, if you're interested in, in getting into one of those, it, it is just wildly cheap. I saw another interesting article this week about um, the most expensive place to buy a starter home. This is this will be the interactive quiz California. again. California. I'll give you a hint. The most expensive place, um, and this this graph is sort of for this study is kind of looking at the change between the difference between the starter home and the median income. The okay. biggest spread between the two, and I, instead of forcing you guys into guessing, it's not California based. Um, and I suppose are we looking for a city, a region, or a state? Or a what? city. But I'd, I'd accept state out of you, knowing that it's not California. Median income versus starter home price. Yeah. Uh, this is probably tough. This it is, is a tough one. I'm not sure I would have got it. I was. I mean, my next spot is to go to more expensive places to own, which would be like Connecticut or New York. But I'm guessing the way you're looking and setting this up that it's like somewhere totally unexpected like think kentucky v think vrbo think a local economy that's like sort of destroyed the natives ability to work but by tourism i mean that's where we're at the leading the graph here is honolulu oh. um the median huh. the median wage there for people because you're basically in hospitality for the most part i mean obviously there's other services that are going on there but the the median income there is is pretty low, and this I think VRBO honestly vacation rentals it's too second lucrative homes, for investors yeah yeah and then they're willing to pay it and yeah. they're getting it and so you sort of just pricing out those locals those workers I would think I was sorry Jason I would think uh, Hawaii obviously tourism government is like Pearl Harbor and places like that and then agriculture because of Growing pineapples and coffee and things like that? Probably. I would think, and that would probably be about the three major ones. Yeah. I think it, you know, when I was over in Kauai last time, you know, which was, I don't know, four, four or five years ago now, I went out on one of the boats. Um, Captain Andy sort of has the oh. Kauai on lockdown. He, he's the guy if you're going to go out on a sunset cruise kind of thing and Anyways, I was sitting with one of his deckhands when we were cruising because I'm a boat guy and I worked on boats. I used to have my captain's license and I like to fish. And so I was just chatting this guy up and he was a really, really, really nice guy. And he said, um, you know, that there's some of the Hawaiians are really resentful of 
the tourists because because of this basically they've if you didn't inherit a family home it was impossible now for you to be able to buy one because of the value they have as a vacation rental or just a second home wealthy people from around the world it's not just the yeah. US but wealthy people from around the world would be willing to buy a house there and it just takes it out of the housing stock for the locals. And then all the while he said, you know, look at me. He's like, he said, I'm one of the people that doesn't resent anyone. I'm just a real happy guy and I'm thankful for the opportunities and everything. But he said, I could never, I'll never be able to buy a home. You know, he works, works there and makes a reasonable amount of money for being the guy that sort of rides along on the sunset cruise and takes care of the boat and everything. But that the bottom line is, is that um, it's just totally squeezed out the locals from being able to have homes, and it hmm. is sort of increasing this um, the occurrence of this like poverty thing, where because you now can't buy a house and rents are more expensive too, now you're just slaving away at your tourist-based job to be able to pay an inflated rent with really no hope of being able to own, and it's really. I mean, in in talking to that guy, it was I mean, it was really sad, honestly. I mean, it, and there I am, I'm like on the boat now as like one of the tourists that are perpetuating the problem and thinking, well, darn. That. Did you stay in a VRBO? No, I was I, that that time. I was in a timeshare. There you go. Yeah. Um. Did anybody care about the top five industries and why? I Let's hear it. Right. Yeah. News, Newsmax and basically hit all of them. Newsmax, except for one, uh, but this is according to Newsmax. Number five, we'll go from five to one, is, uh, let's see, the service industry thrives. thrives. So that includes uh, hotels, private health care, finance, and real estate. Okay. Oh. That's what they include in that. Okay. Um, number four, manufacturing, strongest industry in Hawaii on Oahu. Uh, that includes apparel, cotton-based products, and other um, things that are exported off the island. Sure. Okay. Number three, tropical climate. So Hawaii is a producer of many agricultural products, which I would, coconuts, pineapples, sure. bananas, probably, things shrimp. like that. They grow there artists, lots, lots of, of shrimp. Shrimp, shrimp, shrimp barbie. Anyway, <laughs> uh, number two. Uh, defense. So several army, Navy and Marine coast yeah. guard, air force bases located in Hawaii. And then number one, tourism. So there we go. We hit three of them, really four of them actually. Well, I feel like a was, couple of the lines were blurred Was service. Number five and tourism's number one. Yeah. Isn't that's kind of weird. Kinda, I think they, well, they lumped in like financial services and realtors yeah. into service. So I'm yeah, thinking that, that that's like some kind of, it sounds like that's some kind of white collar service that wasn't taking in hospitality. Well, they're, they're yeah. Okay. Tourism top industry. That's what's what they say. I'm quoting what they say here. Tourism is top industry in the state of Hawaii. It's centrally located between the U.S. and Japan. Um, of course, Hawaii being part of the U.S., so I don't know. Mainland the United Mainland. States, all right. Uh, Hawaii entertains tourists from around the world. People visit the state to enjoy the vast beaches and pleasant climate. The island of Oahu, also home to Waikiki Beach, is considered the main tourist area. Have you been? I have never been to Hawaii. I've been a few times. Yeah. My favorite place to go. One and and granted, I I've never really been to any other tropical places. But one of my favorite things about Hawaii mm -hmm. is you understand your rights completely. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're in, it's the U.S. Yeah. So you, you, oftentimes I think you go to a tropical place and now all of a sudden you, yeah. you may not know the rules. Yeah. You may not know what your uh, rights and responsibilities are mm-hmm. as a person there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful. There's no question about it. So maybe you want to go buy a vacation home there. <laughs> nice. There is a few other Tell markets, by the way, where this spread. So the spread in Honolulu, um, the average person makes $25,607 less than they need to to be able to afford the home. Um, in San Francisco, well, San Jose is a close second to that, um, $25,475 below, right? Which is kind of surprising to me because it seems like San Jose feels like it probably has a pretty diverse economic base. Well, it was just a couple weeks ago we were talking about San Jose on the show, right? Remember that? We were talking about growth and a couple of people called in yeah. and said, what do you want to be? San Jose, to me, seems like it's um, has a more broad-based employment opportunity um, than maybe here or maybe Hawaii. Yeah, but because of the population growth there, the population there, and the scarcity of homes, it just creates these crazy prices. I mean, I have my brother-in-law lives in San Jose, owns a home in San Jose. We helped him buy it a few years ago. We just helped him refinance it recently. The thing appraised for, I want to say, six or seven hundred thousand dollars. It's a. It's a very modest house. It's a six hundred and fifty square yeah. foot, uh, one bedroom, one bedroom, one permitted bath, two bath total. Yeah. Um, with like a funky, you have to walk through one room to get to another non-bedroom room. Yeah. It's it's just like a weird layout, a super small house. But it's a house, and yeah. it's in San Jose, and it's affordable for him. And he gets, you know, it's affordable because he makes six-figure salary. Yeah, <laughs> kind of has to to afford that. But yeah, that's that's yeah. Kind of if the that's way it representative is. of what people need to buy, to I mean, be if able that's to, not yeah. entry-level housing, what is right? It, a six hundred square foot one-bedroom house. So yeah, they're they're barely behind. They're off by twenty-five thousand dollars is the spread. You need to be making twenty-five grand more to afford the entry-level home there. San Francisco is only thirteen thousand five hundred bucks, so you can actually afford uh, to buy there uh, with a better affordability. Los Angeles is over twenty grand different. Oxnard made the list thirty five hundred. Man, so I guessed California, but the one city that's not in California was the leader, (laughs) and then everything else is California. You were on it, man. (laughs) You were really close. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's wild just how much housing costs right now. I mean, and I guess I say right now, but in general, I saw um, going along with this, there was an article, um, let's see here, that polled some economists. Oh, how much time do we have? We have 12 minutes. So can be Maybe that that's long? a good thing. Well, <laughs> the economist brought up politics at the end. So filed under don't shoot the messenger, I'm going to tell you what these hundred economists said. Okay. Right. Might be good for debate, too. Who knows? Um, so wanting to look at uh, Zillow polled. 100 U.S. economists that are real estate experts um, and said 
what is going to happen moving forward with housing in the short-term future, the next couple of years? It's a good question, right? So the answer, expect home values to grow steadily 3 to 4% over the next several years. And um, this, is, this is where we like, everybody agrees, I think, on that. Well, maybe not. There's always those doom and gloomers around. But you say, okay. Um, those expectations could take a hit if the Republican nominee, Donald Trump, is elected president. The panelists um, surveyed said that they expect home values to go up 4% next year, 3.7 the next year. Um, and basically, if Trump's elected, that home values may not continue their steady climb. And then said if Hillary was elected, um, that it would have a more positive impact on um, home values and growth going forward. 33% of the respondents said that the election of Clinton would have somewhat or very positive effect on the home value forecast compared to 16% saying that her election would have somewhat um, negative impact. So This is an obvious example of liberal media bias. No, I think it's <laughs> I think it's ridiculous to believe that whoever is elected president is going to have any impact on the supply and demand of housing. Yeah. I mean, do they affect how many families are created every year or whatever? Or I don't see that. I think housing is going to do what housing is going to do regardless of who occupies the White House. You want to know where my <laughs> mind went when I first read that? Where? Um you thought liberal media. <clears throat> Not really. I didn't think liberal media. Honestly, what I thought was, I want to know of the hundred U.S. economists that they polled, <laughs> out of those economists, what are their political leanings? Sure. Because I think when you're in academia and you're college, I mean, we know that among the college-educated crowd, like going through college, um, you sort of you I think you're exposed and presented a lot more of these progressive ideas that sort of align more with where you would end up where you probably supporting a Hillary platform. That's what I think. And maybe it's not maybe that's not true. I'm, I'm obviously drawing from some personal experience, but um, I've read stats before about the college environment and the political leanings of the professors and the heads of departments and the deans of the college and these people there, they generally are very democratic and not just like by 51%, but the stats that I've seen suggest this number is like closer to 90. So you kind of groom when you're polling economists that are very well schooled, you're kind of getting that, that group, I think, is going to be a little bit more heavily influenced by wanting to go and say that the strength comes from the Democratic nominee. I'm just thinking of polls that, you know, I watch a lot of, have CNBC on a lot for for news and market updates and stuff throughout the day when we're at work. And they have offered up so many polls lately. But, you know, they, they talk about who's going to be better for the economy. And the polls 
always suggest that a Republican candidate, whether it's Trump or, you know, any election cycle, it's usually a Republican candidate's going to be better for the economy in the polls. So if that's the case, that seems contradictory to this, you know, usually a good economy means that's good for housing also. And here we've got contradictory opinions. If you could... (laughs) I still don't believe it has any if impact on how. If you could stomach this, go on like Facebook and sign up for CNN, like follow the CNN page, and then also the Clinton News Network. Sign up for Fox <laughs> News. Oh yeah, you get wildly different stuff. Tell us about the polls now, <laughs> Mr. Man. <laughs> these polls are radically Clinton different, and the commenters on these polls and articles. I mean, you couldn't possibly imagine how radical people are for one side to the other. And depending on what network you're on, you're going to see the same news article spun and digesting the facts in such a different way that I got to wonder when you're, you know, Mr. News Network, when you're publishing this thing, did were you objective at all or did you set out to prove your premise? Because I th- I feel like that it's so hard to find a news source, really, really difficult to find a news source that isn't constantly just working backwards. You know, it's like Jeopardy. They reveal to you the answer, and then you must come up with the question. It seems to me that that recently, somewhere in the last couple of years, all types of media, all types of articles and things that are out there whether it's print or web or whatever it all has some slant or gimmick or something it's all about getting clicks yeah yeah it's all about having this the clickbait you don't want to just report facts because that's not even exciting or interesting you're not going to get a lot of clicks for a fact-based article you got to have especially like an not opinion and support especially it and not if you could tell from the headline where it's going to end up <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am so ready. I'm tired because no matter where you turn, you've got political this and that everywhere. Uh, I'm ready to just vote and be done with it. I think that we should get rid of this like year and a half long election cycle. Uh, How about make it like, you know, a month? <laughs> you get a month to bombard us with your propaganda and then yeah. we'll just vote and be done with it. I think Whoa. most countries are kind of that way. It's like God. two months most. Yeah. It's getting it's it's getting ridiculous. Well, it's worth a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, to a lot of people. Like, look. Which is sad. You see how many millions and billions of dollars are being spent on ads and things? Like, why don't we just take that money and solve problems? There was a building. Let's not go there because, you know, we're getting advertising dollars. The radio station loves it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, John wrote a commercial recently for like Sunset Honda that's like, you're welcome for this 15 seconds of nothing political. (laughs) Thank you. Sunset Honda, you make me want to buy a car from you now because I don't have to hear this junk. Um, there's an office on South Higuera that I wanted to rent for our business, and it's unavailable because of a temporary tenant in there that's using it as a campaign headquarters space. Yeah. How short-sighted. I have a real business that wants to have local head of household jobs put in it and be a contributing part of our economy for the foreseeable future. Yeah, indefinitely, (laughs) ideally for years on end. And this place is unavailable until December. Well, that doesn't work for me, so we had to move on from it. Um, But, yeah, you think about all that. Politics feels to me now like, what is it right now? It's 
August 20th. So we're, yeah, we're ready. Target should probably be putting out the Christmas stuff now. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather see the Halloween. I'd rather see a Halloween today. store in that place if it's not going to be your business. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it was like, seriously. <laughs> Man, that was bad during the recession, wasn't it? <laughs> Halloween stores in every empty building, like yeah, all around. Yeah. It made me think too, like how how desperate those landlords were or the the guy that was subleasing it to the Halloween store just to try to make up something on At that lease. At least the lease. Halloween store is going to provide temporary not, jobs. Oh. Yeah. You know Seriously. what, though? They're kind of like carnies. I know, but at least they it's come temporary. to town, and yeah, the, those yeah. aren't our people, and those dollars, those yeah. p- profits from that are getting piped out of here. But then, sadly, our costume store in Slow had to close. I know there's close. still one more, but um, man, anyway, it's just the times they are a changing. Wild, crazy. Well, uh, gosh. Well, one minute, 10 seconds. Well, that's a long one. That's a big stretch. <laughs> Maybe you should just start the music early. Yeah, and no, we'll just... <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> there we no? Go. Yeah, it'll screw everything up. It will? Yes. <laughs> See, it tells you how much I know about yeah. it. Hey, mm. well, we do have more stuff to talk about here after the break. There's just not enough time for me to tell you what we're going to talk about. Um, but we got some more stuff. Talk about uh, housing, a little bit more economic stuff. I got some stats here on the median um, income increases by class and medium net worth I thought was pretty interesting stuff. So we can we can talk about that. We got a whole nother hour to do it. And we'd love to hear from you. If you're out there and you have a question or a comment, you can call us at 543-8830. 543-8830. We'll take your live calls after this break. We'll be back with more Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, I took it out of program. That's oh, right. I the see. Bring us back. We're back. Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire. There it is. Do you guys have the essential Billy Joel CD? I I it's so. like, yeah, it's we like got the, it somewhere. It's like the Billy Joel rock essential the collection building. or something. You should have it if you don't. Yeah, well, everybody well. should have it. Yeah. All right, we're back for the second hour here. If you'd Woo. like to ask a question or share a comment, you can call us at 543-8830, 543-8830. We just had a call, yeah, but, but they kind of came in at a crucial time when I'm getting you guys back on the air. Yeah, so. there's a lot of buttons so, to push right yeah, there. Yeah, so um, if they want to call so, back, I'll run and get it. I thought today we probably would also remind people that um, if you're getting involved in a transaction right now, it's a good idea just to be patient. Um, Things are so slow. 
Yeah, appraisals uh, impossibly are taking upwards slow. of two weeks. We've had some take a month. Yeah, and and people, if you're in a big hurry, you're gonna end up frustrated. Um, the good news is, and I most people understand this, but if you if you're doing a purchase transaction, those are prioritized. There's a contractual deadline there um, with a lot on the line. Oftentimes the the buyers and sellers, there's these dominoes of transaction after transaction where this guy's selling this house to buy this house. And then that guy that is selling this one to the new buyer is also buying one. And it just goes on and on. It's not uncommon to see five or six or seven transactions all dependent on one another and kind of dominoing. Um, there's a lot that goes into making sure that the timing of a purchase transaction is uh, is met. It's a really critical thing. And so those are prioritized. So you really like hearing that if you're the guy getting a purchase loan, right? <laughs> you got to, when you're making your moving van reservation and you're switching your utilities and you're doing all these things, you like to know that you're the one that's getting the um the added attention when your file comes in you're probably going to leapfrog some of those refi transactions that are in there because it's just not there's not as much on the line you know those people are here for a refi and basically the most important thing is for them is a get her done and b and maybe a and b are equal here but don't let the cost change you know and so if your loan officer is doing a good job and protecting you by getting an appropriate term lock which man today i really got to suggest that 45 days is probably the minimum um we we're locking loans at times for 60 days 45 is at least the norm and if you have a deal you know that needs a longer term lock you got to get a 60 day lock and so the reality is especially on loans that are like VA refis right now are taking impossibly long, um, so long. And, you know, you're relying at this point, you're relying on a VA appraiser who is kind of a, it's kind of a sweet gig. There are less VA eligible appraisers in our county than there are standard appraisers, right? So the VA, they're given basically two weeks from the date that the order is placed to produce the report. And you're not getting one a day earlier, uh, nowhere around our county and even San Diego County. I just did a VA purchase loan down there for a, a friend here, and uh, it was the same thing down there. And by the way, wouldn't you think that in like San Diego County that there's so many more VA buyers that there's got to be way more VA appraisers out there? Yeah. Same kind of thing. Um, what we found out was that the appraisers are just way overwhelmed. They've got a lot of jobs. And the, of course, on VA, it works a little bit different. You order through the VA portal, and that's sort of like the software piece that connects everybody on the VA loan. On our non-VA world, uh, everything else goes through an appraisal management company. So you place an order with the appraisal management company, and then they go, hey, we're having a tough time placing this order. You got, uh, I don't know, how many of the appraisers are out of town? Because it's the summer. They're on vacation. One or two appraisers in our county go on vacation, and there's just enough business to swamp the rest of them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy 
Uh, but yeah, it's just been super slow. So that'd be one of the things that I advise. I mean, if you're working with us, then you know we, we try to be pretty clear communicators about what the timelines and expectations are so that we can properly manage that. But um, if you're working with somebody else, um, make sure that you're getting a plenty long lock term and having realistic expectations set about how long your refi loan is going to take. And the other thing, too, is it's not just that it's summertime and people are on vacation and people are out. These rates are just so low. Seems like if you have a loan today um, and you're not gun shy for whatever reason to call, um, there's there's oftentimes something that can be done. You know, I I give this pitch on the radio every every week, it seems, but. I always tell people if you have mortgage insurance or, you know, are interested in getting a shorter term or need something to do if you're doing a remodel or debt consolidation or whatever, there's all these different reasons why you might be wanting to refi in general. How about the fact that it's just these rates are crazy low? I mean, we're seeing a lot of people right now. Well, here's a great example. I did a loan three years ago, a HARP loan, as a matter of fact, for uh, one of our clients in the North County, he was upside down in his property. Had He owed more than it was worth, and um, we did a HARP loan for him. We got him a 4% loan, and he was thrilled to get 4%, by the way. I mean, he owed like 115% of his property's value. So this week, I'm refinancing him from 4 to 3.5. And for him... It's a monthly savings of 150 bucks a month. So we did all the math. Makes good sense. It's a good transaction. I'm happy to save that. And the value of his home is to the point now where he's going to be like an 80% loan to value. So he actually got about 30% equity in the last three and a half years, which is pretty great. I mean, that. what is that? What's 30? Yeah, he went from... A 115 to an 80. So, yeah, 35% change in value. 10-ish percent a year. Yeah, that's good. Mm. It's really good. He's also at that kind of starter home part of the market, too. I mean, after all is said and done, this is a house we're talking. This is an Atascadero three-bedroom, two-bath house that's basically expected to appraise for 400000 So, um, hard to kind of hard to come by those anymore, actually, for... If you were out to buy your first home in Tascadero today, you you'd be hard pressed to find a a suitable home, you know, a three two for less than four hundred thousand bucks. So, been some good upward pressure on that part of the market. Good if you're a homeowner. Bad if you're saving for your down payment and wishing these prices weren't just slipping away on you. I spoke with a client yesterday. We helped them buy a home back in two thousand twelve down in Santa Maria, nice custom home <clears throat> they bought. It was a complicated transaction at the time. The The primary borrower is a, a union pipe fitter. And so those guys oftentimes, go, you know, they work a job for a period of time and then it the job's done and they move on to another job. So there's lots of changes in employment. Oh, those are those borrowers where you get like nine W-2s uh, yeah. for the last two years. So that was a, it was a tough loan, but we, we got it done. We, we helped them get into their first home and we ultimately sold the loan to Stearns. Okay. Okay. So it turns out that 
I got this call yesterday and said, oh, yeah, I just, I'm looking for some cash out to pay off debt, consolidate credit card debt, um, and just make life a little easier with the, the consumer debt that we have. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the firsts are kind of tough, and I'm looking at your loan that we did for you, and rates are lower. It probably makes sense just to redo the whole thing into one fixed rate loan, because she was adamant that she did not want an equity line. Oh, right. Okay. Well, you know, we just refied with Stearns like two months ago. I didn't even realize that you guys did refis. You dirty rat. Like, how do you not know? You're on our email list. You get I mean, you dirty rat crazy. Stearns. <laughs> so the Stearns guy, they got him a, a great rate at 3.75% 30-year fix. I'm like, mm. You overpaid. Yeah. And was somehow not helping them with the cash out that they wanted. Was just refinancing the existing balance. I'm like, well, that's... You can do huh. a cash out today for 3.75. Exactly. So I'm going and looking at it, and sure enough, that was the rate for a, a cash out deal or, you know, presented the first and second combo option because that's, for whatever reason, that's where they're still leaning. Sure. They want to do that. Um, and so, you know, they, I think they want to hope to pay off the consumer debt portion faster yeah. and be done with it and then know that their mortgage is just what they use to buy their home. And so we looked at that, and you know, you do that, you get a three and five eighths, and then a four percent second, and it was all, all looked really good. That's the way they want to go. So we ended up doing that, but it was kind of just one of those things that no matter how hard we try to tell people that we do every type of financing for a home, right? Any type of home, any type of financing, investment property, second home, mansions, shacks, mobile homes, regular homes, starter homes, move up homes, you know. Whatever it is related to a one to four unit residential property, we do it. If it can be done, we can do it. And so it just ran into one of those occasions where all of our marketing efforts, everything we do to put ourselves out there and, and tell people what we do, it was lost on a past client, unfortunately. So now they're redoing their entire loan that they just spent five. Oh, and they spent $5,000 to get that three and three quarters rate. I knew you were going to say that. Wait, you paid points to get that above market rate? Oh, totally. That should have been a no cost loan. Hey, okay. Pause right here. This is a part that I want to tell everybody about. Misconception, one of the biggest myths, and I understand where it's based, but um, I'm just going to, I'm going to work with the, I get this solicitation from the company that I pay my mortgage to. They know me. They, they have, my, have loan. my information. Super easy. Yeah, they have it. so easy. This couldn't be <laughs> um, more inaccurate, you guys. Listen to me. The mortgage company, and, and I don't care who it is, okay, um, Th these big mortgage companies, there's it's all separate. L let's pick on Wells Fargo, for example, because everybody knows Wells Fargo. Um, do you really think that this um, international Wells Fargo has got to be international, right? Huge. Huge. How many countries? Huge. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. Um, how many countries? Who cares? The servicing part of Wells Fargo that receives your online payment and puts it into the register or tears open your envelope that you licked and your check that you wrote out and takes it and keys it into the system and puts it in the deposit bag. Um, 
Are you think that guy or that gal that has that job is also a loan officer that goes, oh, Dan, Dan, you gave us a payment again, right? Three days early. I mean, this guy pays like the clock runs. We love Dan. And then the phone rings and it's like, hi, this is Dan. Oh, my goodness. I was just thinking how awesome it is that you just keep paying and, of course, we'll give you a new loan. And it's so easy because we have your information and we love you. Um, I know I made that sound silly. That's silly. Um, they're in different states, the servicing department versus the origination department. And for Wells Fargo, the origination department's not even at the underwriting department. And if you ever want to see a bigger disconnect in any industry the, uh, from like the underwriter to the loan officer, <laughs> the loan officer is usually the guy that's out like kissing babies and, you know, doing all the fun networking and sadly at times is just kind of a yes man can do everything. He, he may as well be mayor. Um, <laughs> this guy's the loan officer just running around and he just, he's just handing out dreams left and right. The underwriter is the guy that's in the back room tasked with making sure that this stuff all makes sense. He's protecting grandma's assets. You know, this is the guy that's worried about the credit quality of every transaction because that's the overall strength of the company. These two people, they're not, they don't even usually have the same objective. I mean, yeah, everybody wants to help you get a loan, but you're going to qualify. So just responding to the company that you work with, that if, if I'm a mortgage servicer, that is the low lying fruit is that I would send out a little thing that goes, Hey, Mr. Podesto, you have a 4% rate. And I'm going to get you a 3.75. Call me now. Um, how many of those are you send out? I mean, I'm servicing, let's say I'm servicing a million people. I mean, as a homeowner, I probably get at least one a week. Me too. At least one a week. Yeah. So you just blanket the world with these things. When somebody finally bites for a loan, guess what they're doing? They're paying the postage for the blanketing <laughs> right. of everything that went everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. And the other thing about those, as long as we're on this thing, I get up on the soapbox. This makes me so mad. I get so mad at this. If you have an FHA loan, they just send you these things about, you know, they'll even say President Obama made this program for you to do a streamlined refi, and you just should. We're going to get you this low rate, um, or the mortgage insurance premiums have recently dropped, and we're going to be able to get you this this great low rate and this new lower mortgage insurance. There's no even fine print on there that says that you're about to sign up for life of loan mortgage insurance. And guess what? When you call that 800 number, you're not receiving a mortgage professional like on the other end of the line like you would if you called our company. What you're getting is uh, somebody that answers phones and they go, great, we got it. Basically, we got another sucker here. Let me pass you through to the closer department over here where, you know, then yeah, they can do a loan for you. They're in the loan business is what they do. Those people are not giving you the most competitive offers. They just aren't. And so... My advice to everybody is you're getting those things in the mail every day before you bite and say, oh, I'm going to do this with you. Please shop. 
The government, the CFPB, they have made such an effort to let you know to, what the market rate yeah, is and they how want to, to let shop. You know the information. They want to give you time to shop so that you're not pressured into making a hasty decision. There's a there's a wait period at the beginning of the transaction. There's one to two three day wait periods at the end of a transaction. There's so many opportunities to make sure that you've you've not just shopped with the one company that that did the solicitation to your mailbox that you're actually going out and looking at other companies to make sure that they're actually giving you a fair deal yeah and then if they are great move forward by all means so when i tell people when you get those solicitations the first thing you should do yeah sure call them figure out what they can do get a loan estimate that's right. the official form that's required to be provided to you once they have six critical pieces of information and then go out and do that with two other companies hey make ours one of them well and there's a comparison table on your loan estimate yeah you can actually sit down and write out what the different offers are because it can be a little hard to keep track of all things well this guy has an administrative fee and not an underwriting fee but this guy has an underwriting fee and not an administrative fee and, and it kind of might get unclear so the the tables are helpful for writing out the information so you can accurately compare all the offers mm -hmm. i mean to me it's kind of like this you bought a new tv what two or three years ago yeah maybe yeah about that two years ago yeah and so what happens is did I shopped the heck out of that thing. Didn't you? I went to Sears, Best Buy, local places, online, Amazon. I'm like, I know what I, you know, narrowed it down to the type of TV I wanted. Yeah. And then I go and just start Googling everywhere on Consumer Earth. reports. I'm <laughs> yeah. reading consumer reviews. How many stars did you get? Oh, oh man. Out of five stars, this brand of TV always has like four and a half. And now this one that's a couple hundred bucks less has three and a half stars. And so then I open it up and people say, oh, it, it tanked on month four. You know, my point is you, that's for like a, you know, anywhere from a $500 to $2,000 TV. Okay. But then you got people who are going to go spend three to five or more thousand dollars on a mortgage or <laughs> just go put up their half a million dollar house as collateral for a loan where they're just like, yeah, you know, I just, I, I really like bank of internet or I, I keep hearing the, the Quicken commercial and just, you know, the rocket thing really inspires me. I'm I'm ready for a, or the, you know, they said morticianist and a rocket mortgage. Yeah. All these different. Yeah. He's going to answer it. If you're calling right now, you got to bear with us for a second. Cause Jim has to answer the phone in the other room and then he can like come back and put you on the air. So anyway, I get excited about this and I know and and kind of I'm sorry, but um you gotta you gotta make yourself educated about this and not just and in in your case, like this one for you, which was a past client of ours, um part of me is like shame on to me, you know? I we did the newsletter. We do our best. We try really hard to to let people know, you know, that at the end at the end of the transaction, we usually even call our clients up and we say, "Hey, we're sending you some final stuff to store for your file." Um, what I tell my home buyers is, um, "Man, you're going to get some documents starting the first week after you buy this home, especially for first time home buyers. These things look official, and it's a mess." The very first one you get's like a, um, 
And I don't know if they did this when you bought your house because you bought your house, what, I mean, 10, 12 years ago. When you buy a home today, one of the first things you get like within days is like pay this fee. It looks like it came from the county recorder's office. It's like pay this fee to get a copy of your recorded deed of trust and don't be one of the foolish people that doesn't have it in their possession. Whoa, you want $30. And I mean, and it seems like a reasonable fee. It's got like a government looking seal on the thing, by the way. It looks like, it kind of looks like the assessor's asking you for 30 bucks because they want to give you this that you need to have. It's a copy of your recorded deed. It's, this thing's coming in the mail anyway for free from the county recorder. And um, so point being, that's the first of many confusing and questionable looking documents that show up in your mailbox as a homeowner. And what I tell all my clients is, Hey, when it comes in, cause it's coming, if you're confused, um, first of all, anything you refuse, anything you receive concerning your home after you buy it or refinance it is you need to use a critical eye and be very suspect that it's a solicitation for life insurance for paying a junk fee for a recording that's just a total waste of money um, for some kind of an offer, you know, a pre, because of your outstanding this or that, we're going to give you this unbelievable thing. Just call this number. Another crock of junk. Um, but I just tell people, you're going to get all of these things. And to the non-discerning eye, you don't, you're not even going to know what you have. You know, is what you have something legitimate or not? Because, by the way, one of the other things that's coming in that stack of papers is your supplemental tax bill. What's your supplemental tax bill? Well, it's taxes that you owe the assessor. It's basically the makeup amount between the previous owner's tax rate and your new tax rate. And you go, well, but I paid my... I do an impound account with my loan, so my tax insurance are included. Your supplemental taxes are not included in that, and they will be your responsibility to pay. And so I always tell people this at closing. Hey, you're going to get a bunch of documents. Some of them are junk and need to be discarded as such. Some of them are very important, like your supplemental tax bill. And I tell them about their supplemental tax bill, and then at the end of the call I say, in any case, every time you receive something that you're not sure if it's an action item or not, then just call me. You know, you now have a friend in the mortgage business, and I'm happy to tell you whether or not what you're holding is a junk solicitation, a legitimate offer, something that's a scam or a fee that you actually do need to take care of. We'll help you with that. And then we hear these stories about a client, a past client that goes, well, I didn't know you did refis, so I went and did one, and I, you know, I got a junky rate, and I paid too much money to get it. And you're like, "Oh no!" I was at my wife's family reunion last month, and at least four of the cousins came up to me and said, "Oh, we just bought a new house, and man, you wouldn't believe what the loan officer put us through." Huh. No, I guess I wouldn't. Is it, <laughs> I couldn't is even it, imagine. Is it hard no. out there? Oh, Are they, oh they Gee. told you things that didn't prove to be true? You're kidding. Uh, I happen to be a mortgage loan officer, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah. And you, you know I... And own, I'm family. Then I'm like, you know I own a mortgage company and yeah, would yeah. like protect you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think we protect all of our clients, but you, 
you know you pay a little bit of extra attention. Might even to wait a, a family. Yeah, you don't want to go to a family reunion might, and have might even help. dirt on your face <laughs> yeah. where you're like, oh, could you imagine Christmas? That Thanksgiving's going to be super awkward. Might have been able to help you with a couple of fees. That Can maybe you pass I could the potatoes? <laughs> Can you pass the potatoes? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I found out, uh-huh. Mr. Stearns, that 3.75 and 5 grand was way too high. <laughs> hey, we got to take a commercial break here. It's 1031. Uh, again, we'll invite your phone calls. I know we got one that we will... We have a, a question we'll have a question you. after the break. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 543-8830. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. <laughs> Melanie's cousin, Alan. Through seven presidential administrations, <laughs> bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Bag of tricks. Oh, I love Eddie Grant. <laughs> I just had to hear Eddie Grant this morning. I don't know why. We had a we had a call. We did. What was the was it a question or a comment? A uh, question and a comment. Actually, it okay. loves the show basically. Great. So awesome. uh, big fan. But anyway, didn't want to go on the air. But uh, a Royal Grandy. Mm-hmm. She's got a home. She's kind of him and or Han about whether to sell it. Uh, I guess the uh, the. It's kind of valued between a million and a million for east side of Aurora Grande over by the Rancho Grande area. Okay. And uh, four bedroom, four bath, and just kind of want your opinion on whether or not uh, she should sit on it a little bit longer because she doesn't really have to sell it, but just thinking about it. Just trying to mm-hmm. get a be- fetch a better price if she waits? Is that yeah, kind of yeah, the, yeah. The thought? Possibly, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking earlier, economists believe housing's going to steadily increase over the next several years. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, I, I, I believe that as well. Mm-hmm. It, this, but, this topic is one that inspires me to go on this long diatribe about why, why home values are not likely to decline anytime soon. Um, I just, I don't see it. And, you know, that's an interesting thing. If we had a realtor that was in here with us right now, that's a price point in the market that's, um, I think, going to behave a little bit differently. It's a little slower to move when you get into that, what, about 750 plus category? Sure. But it also, you know, you're going to, I I can only imagine, um, you know, because do you want to live in a house that's worth 1.2? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so how do we get there? Well, the whole housing market is sort of moving in that direction. And the closer we get, those become the move up homes. You know, that to me, that's a luxury home. Okay. Um, to me today, depending on what part of the county you're in, a move up home is like seven, eight, nine hundred thousand. That's where, oh, you have a house that you're gonna sell for you know, you maybe bought it for five hundred grand, and now you're going to sell it for six fifty or seven hundred, and you only owe three hundred at this point. So, you're talking about coming away with two hundred fifty, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars down, maybe. And so now you go, okay, I'm ready to move up. Now I'm going to buy a nine hundred thousand dollar house or an eight hundred thousand dollar house, and I'm going to make a three hundred thousand dollar down payment. So I'm borrowing now, you know, kind of where I started before, but I've got all this equity and going to get a pretty sweet rate, by the way, because of that equity. Um, Interest rates and closing costs are tied largely to credit score and equity. I mean, those are the two biggest drivers of it. So to me, that's the move up market is people that are selling their entry level home um, and they're, you know, Probably a two-income family. They're making pretty good scratch, and they're going to buy a house for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand bucks. The people selling the homes for seven, eight, nine hundred thousand bucks. Those are the guys that are now going to buy their one point two million dollar house with five or six hundred thousand dollars down, um, if not just in the full cash market at that point. Um, so when you have Entry-level homes overflowing. I mean, just so much interest, supply and demand out of control. Um, It puts more pressure on those people to want to sell and then buy the move-up home. So then once enough of that bleeds over into the move-up home, because each one has a percentage of housing stock, there's going to be less move-up homes in the the county than there are going to be entry-level homes. And then once you get into the luxury market, which I think this this caller with a one point two million dollar home, I'm going to argue is, um, you know, and I don't know anything else about it, but I'm going to argue it's in the luxury market. That's a that's a thing that the the average Californian can't afford that home. Um, but it, you get enough well, pressure. She did say it's a four bedroom, four bath. That's a good and size it's home the for east side here. of Arroyo Grande, which is kind of. Um, Rancho Grande area, which is nicer, nice. upper scale. It's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's blessed to be able to have that house mm-hmm. for sure. I, she didn't say how much property is around it, but I have. A I mean, if it's a three thousand square foot house at that point, I'm guessing it, it does probably doesn't even need to be on more than a half acre, an acre at that price point. That's mm-hmm. a, you know, and if it is, 
That's great. But mm -hmm. yeah, so anyways, the move up market then starts to get more heat because of the people that came out of the entry level market. So then they start putting a little bit of pressure on the luxury market. And then that that's where those appreciations and stuff are all happening there. So everything's catching that. We're moving in that direction. That's the, you know, those are the the places, the stepping stones that you're heading to. Um it the questions I guess that I would have is what's the motivation? Because right. are you gonna sell this to buy another home? Because if so, and you're just trying to squeeze a little more juice out of this home you're selling, well, the home you're gonna buy is gonna be more expensive at as that well. point too. So yeah. That's it, the thing is if you're gonna stay involved in our local housing market, then I just now's the time. Go for it. If you're especially because Slow County, I forget what prop it is, but Slow County does this thing where we'll honor your tax base movement. If you're over 55 and you're moving into a downsizing home or maybe right sizing, we're trying to get away from downsizing. It sounds derogatory in some fashion, but you know, you don't no longer need the four bedroom, four bath home. You'd be needs served in a two, two or a three, two. Um, and so you're moving into maybe, you know, out of this big sprawling estate with the yard we've got to take care of and all these extra things as you're heading into your retirement or hopeful retirement years, you want to right size into a home that's just a little bit more manageable and easier to for you to take care of and maybe even more affordable. Our county will let you move your tax base one time if you're over 55. So there's reasons why you want to do that. So yeah, that's my thing. If, you, if you're going to stay involved in the local market here, go for it. Might as well. Um, if you're cashing in because you're getting out of this market, um, and you have ability to hang on for, you know, I don't know. What's the magic number though, man, a year, two years, three years, who knows? What if you'd waited from Oh five to Oh nine or Oh five to Oh eight. Sure. You took it off the chin in a big way. So you, you know, that, that's kind of my thing. Um, when we talk about this, we're speculating. And there's a reason why real estate speculation was typically up to the super wealthy and the people that did it for a living is that it's speculative. Um, and with speculation comes potential for getting it wrong. Um, you know, so the other thing about this market right now that's different than it was a couple years ago, especially for somebody like our caller with a, a over a million dollar home. The jumbo market for lending today is alive and well. It's a very good market. Um, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, you couldn't. I mean, the marketability of that property was severely impaired by a lack of available funding for a would-be buyer. Yeah, they were going like, to be attracting a cash buyer or someone oh, with a yeah. significant down payment. And that was your only hope. Yeah. That would probably be getting a conforming loan with a monster down payment. And if not, they would be getting lured into some crappy adjustable loan that had, you know, was very undesirable. Today, I see these offers. I mean, we don't do a lot of them. I don't know why. Maybe we could figure out how to market better for million-dollar loans. But we've got some outlets for million-dollar loans that are mind-blowing. Uh, it's amazing. You can get 30-year fixed-rate loans on these are usually a half to three-quarters of a point more than the conventional 30-year fixed. You can get jumbo financing up to 95% loan-to-value with no mortgage insurance. Yeah. 
It's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's wild. So there's it's available a, now. There's a fantastic marketability for you today because the loan products are um, they're in abundance and they're robust. It's no longer. I mean, two, three, four years ago, the jumbo loan products felt predatory and they were very sparse. Today. They're very, very widely available. Every institution seems to have access to a pretty good jumbo product. Um, and, you know, we do. We have about five different jumbo products. Like Dan just touched on one of them that's kind of mind-blowing. And I want to go back to what you just mentioned. Um, these loans are 90 to 95% loan-to-value. So this really means 5 to 10% down. Um, no mortgage insurance. When you buy a million dollar home, the mortgage insurance, if you, I mean, first of all, it wasn't, it didn't used to be available. The lender said, Hey, if you want to get your, you want a luxury buyer, Mr. Fancy Pants, and you're going to park your Mercedes in the driveway and be all flashy in your million and a half dollar house, you're going to have some skin in that game. You need 20% down, 20, 30% down, 30% down, maybe 40% down. And by the way, no history ever of a foreclosure or a bankruptcy, um, collections, even judgments, very, very conservative. We don't want to see any of that. So get your checkbook out. You're going to pay to play, and it's going to be, you're going to have some skin in the game, and then we'll partner with you on your luxury home. Today, um, and so mortgage insurance wasn't even offered. Those loans weren't even available to have less than 20% down. Today, there's a variety of loan products that are more than willing to lend with you. Yeah, you got to still have outstanding credit and generally no bankruptcy or foreclosure in the last seven to 10 years. Um, but you could get away with five or 10% down on a million dollar house, million and a half dollar house. That's crazy. And think about that in terms of a seller, the marketability that it gives you. We like to make these flyers when people have open houses around the county. We'll make these flyers for you where you're going to you're going to hold your house open for 1.2 million dollar house. So on the front of the flyer, let me show you three options. One is the conventional maximum loan amount for our area that there's a temporary loan amount that's still in place where we could loan you 561200. So sell your million dollar house for 1.2 Maximum conventional loan amount, $561,200. You need a fatty down payment. That's a huge down payment. Like you're putting down $650,000 yeah. down on this house. Um, awesome. I'm so thrilled that you're able to do that. That's a very limited section of the market. In fact, this is going to be a nice segue into the part I wanted to share with you guys about median income and medium wealth here um, over the last 30 year period, the changes in that demographic. But um, the next part of that flyer, though, would be looking at doing a jumbo loan with, you know, your most attractive rates are probably going to be, you know, 20% down. So now you're talking about putting $250,000 down instead of six fifty. And by the way, again, if you've got $250,000 to put as a down payment on a house, you're doing real good. Somebody died and left you a chest full of gold coins, or you got lucky on some prudent investments, or you're just an unbelievable earner and saver. Again, limited marketability. Third column on the front of my open house flyer for your $1.2 million listing, 
How about 5% down? 60 grand. No mortgage insurance. But just think about this. I mean, I, I like the visual of, you know, it's kind of like the fishing net where your your marketability is tied to how big of this net can you throw? How many would-be buyers can you catch with available financing to be able to market your home to? Three years ago when it was just the conforming loan limit of 5612, good luck. Most of those people were hoarding cash during that era. Those houses were really hard to sell. And if people were transacting those houses, some good deals were being had by the people with the cash. So today, people are able to buy these homes with limited down payments. And, you know, some of the listeners right now are going, oh, this sounds terrible. Who should be doing that? Well, I'll tell you who it is that's doing it. Who's doing 5% down with no mortgage insurance? How about the new oncologist at Sierra Vista? That guy comes to town, and he's going to be making three or $400,000 a year. This is kind of his first big-ticket job like that with a nice, big, fat, guaranteed paycheck. But he doesn't have a huge down payment. He's been, you know, medical school, big student loan debts, other priorities. Money's going into paying student loans to catch up. This guy's got $400,000 in student loan debt. That's not uncommon. So that's where the priority of the money is going, but wants to live in that really nice house in the east side of AG. So that 5% down loan is very attractive. And by the way, these people are fully qualified. I was going to say, there's a, it's all about compensating yeah. factors. So it, it's not, not like the fog of mere guy. Yeah, it's not the conventional loan either, where you can get up to 45 or 50% debt ratio. You're looking at something that's usually more closer to 40% debt ratio. You're looking for excellent right. credit, you know, a credit history where there's depth to the credit, meaning many trade lines that have history of yep. on time repayment. Yep. You're looking at scores that are. You know, when you get into those higher loan to values, you need to have 760 plus, if not, you know, 800 plus credit score. These are the kind of buyers that if we were at a dinner party and, you know, I always like this analogy, if I was going to loan out my grandma's money, right, for all those reasons, you don't want to put your grandma in the poorhouse. But at the same time, it's also going to be your inheritance probably. So you're you're defending that as about as best you could defend anybody's money. So if we're sitting around the dinner table and I got you, the borrower, and grandma sitting next to me, grandma doesn't know anything about lending. She's going to agree that this is the right person to loan this money to. They've got all of it. You know, they're, the good job, the good credit, the good debt to income ratio, all these things, their limiting factor is oftentimes – they have the cash and don't want to put it down because it's better for them to be used in some other way. They're taking advantage of the opportunity to leverage or, um, like I said before, they're they're using it to to knock out the student loans or the whatever it is instead of putting it down. So they're, The other thing with jumbo financing is that we look at reserve requirements right. where that's not often the case in conventional financing with jumbo. You need anywhere from six to 12 to 24 months yeah, of I've reserves. Seen 24 months. Yeah. So that means that your mortgage payment, you have documented with bank statements that you have the ability, you have cash in the bank to, to if you lost your job tomorrow, payments. you're going to make it two years. Yeah. So and, that's that. And by contrast, on the entry-level housing market, there's really no reserve requirement. If you're getting a conventional loan with whatever down payment, um, generally you need to have enough cash to be able to close. And that mm -hmm. might sound a little bit more willy-nilly, but it, you know that entry-level market's just treated a little bit differently. I think I think 
some of those standards are simply dumbed down a little bit to in an effort to try to increase home ownership. But you're talking about available financing opportunities increasing here in the last few years for jumbo. We've yep. also seen a resurgence in second lien financing. So both equity lines and fixed seconds, which we talked about a person earlier who's looking to refi and do a first and second um, loan, you can do that with purchases as well. And you can do, you know, you could, and sometimes it's fun just to compare, I find it fun, to compare that jumbo 90 or 95% loan to To an 80-10-10. To an 80-10, where you get the 561 If you're buying a house for 750 grand in that move-up category that I was talking about, you might do a 561-2 first. To take advantage of the really low rate. To that, yeah, that vanilla, great 30-year fixed low rate. Um, It's got all the bells and whistles on it. And then do a 10% second that then gets you that close and you're only putting 10% down. Now you've avoided mortgage insurance. And so again, there's some people that instead of just putting 20% down, might be looking at these other strategies, either maybe they don't have the money, but maybe they do, but it's got a higher priority than just being sunk into, you know, perhaps dead equity in the house. There's a lot of different strategies to look at that. And so um, going back again to our AG caller, marketability of your home is very high. Yeah, it's back to normal There's with financing. There's a part options. of me that wants to say, get it done. I mean, nothing's guaranteed. If you, in, Like I said, if you're going to stay invested in our housing economy, you may as well. Um, if you wait, I mean, now at what point are we trying to catch the falling knife? You know, if two or three years from now, might we start to see a part where home values begin to flatten. And I think when they do, that's going to be one of the first parts of the market segment that I got to think is going to start to get choked out a little bit where, um, like right now, like look at me, for example, I, I live in, um, arguably entry level housing. And so my home is going up, you know, three to 5% a year. And, you start kind of going, okay, well, if this trend holds, then maybe I do get the opportunity to be a move-up buyer in a couple of years. But if my house flattens, I'm going to start to lose interest in that idea of being a move-up buyer because I certainly don't want to be the guy that buys a house, you know, just kind of salivating at that newer, nicer, bigger, better home to buy it flat and then have it go through the declining period. Mm -hmm. So I think once we see home values flatten, that's probably where um, people will sort of settle down again and stay put for a while. While it's going up right now, everybody's like, well, do you want to make 5% appreciation on your $400,000 house or on your $800,000 house? You know, well, naturally the eight hundred thousand dollar house. We well, better get in line. Better come get that loan. You know, we're ready for you now. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not suggesting that I know the right or wrong way. I just think people generally expect the norm, the current norm, to be what continues. And right now, in the housing market, it's kind of all good. There's not a lot of sad folks around right now. If you own real estate, it's proving to be a pretty sound investment right now. And you're um, you're doing good, and you're happy about it. And for the people that don't own, you're having those sensations again. If I can't get in now, I'm never going to be able to. Um, I remember that. That was me back in 2004. 
when I was looking to buy my first house was like, man, I, every month I don't, every year I don't, I'm, I'm losing ground and it's just, I got to save a down payment and it's just getting farther and farther away from me. And it's a, it's kind of a terrifying feeling. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, that's the market I think that we're in right now. Yeah. Thrilled if you own and feeling threatened if you don't. And if you do own and potentially want to exit, you got to be wringing your hands a little bit, wondering if now's go time. Yeah. And so much of it's based on motivation. It's hard to... We're running out of time, but I I wanted to... I tease this to you a little bit. So let me see if I can cover a couple of these things Uh in just two minutes. Um, This was kind of a class study about that upper and middle, um, middle class earnings and wealth. Um. From 1970 to 2014, so, you know, a 44-year span, upper class saw their median income increase 47%. $174,600 is what the, the upper class term is right here. This is, again, median income. So if you're making one hundred seventy-five grand a year over this last 40-year period, that number is up 47%. Um, they're the, they're the lion's share of improvement over that four decade period. Um, the middle class experienced only a 34% increase. So, um, from upper class getting about half increase, um, middle class got roughly a third, uh, middle class has a percent increase of 34% taking them to 73,400. The lower class had the lowest percentage growth at only 28%, bringing them up to $24,000 a year. I thought that was kind of interesting. The median net worth of upper-class families doubled from 1983 to 2013, reaching 650000 bucks. Kind of fun to see where you fall on this scale um, of how much equity you have, how much wealth you have. Most of us have our net worth as largely in our real estate and maybe also then in our 401k retirements, but um, now you're looking at um, the median net worth of the middle class increased only 2% from 1980 to 2013. The middle class has a net worth of $98,000. The low, the lower class saw their wealth drop 18% to $9,500. So anyway, kind of an interesting thing. I mean, that middle class used to be the core of America. And now that middle class is of course getting pinched. That's the thing we're all, we're all worried about. Um, that ties in a little bit. I wish we had more time where we, we just talked through two hours. I wish we had more time to talk about that. But, uh, so after all said and done, we're at the end of our two hour show. If you want loan help, if you're any one of those people we can talk about that on, if you're an oncologist from Sierra Pacific and you're like, these guys are talking to me, I am call me. We have those jumbo loans with low down payment, and no mortgage insurance. Um, we also have great jumbo loans for people that have tons of equity. You got a $5 million house out by the country club and need a million bucks. We got that too at phenomenal fixed rate deals. Love to hear from you. Um, if you're back into that, uh, you know what I want to say, the middle class guys that are doing the intermediate or move up level homes, we've got those too. We'd love to be able to help you with the financing on that. 
Um, if you've got mortgage insurance or debts, if you want to do an addition or a remodel, um, if you're listening to this show right now, you have a friend in the mortgage business. So give us a call. The number is 543-LOAN. And um, these things are really, it's a custom fit, you know, it's basically a glass slipper. And so what we want to do is figure out how we can figure out the best course for you. What's the best thing we can do? What's the best product we can offer? Dan said it earlier in the show. If you're lendable, if it's lendable, if it's residential and you and the property are lendable, we can do it. Um, we pride ourselves in having all of the loan products that are available out there. So give us a call at 543-LOAN, 543-5626, or check us out on centralcoastlending.com. Guys, we'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a great week.